turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth, trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be all right. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 434. Rob and I are matchy-matchy today, but not on purpose. My name is Caleb Hag. And speaking of merch, I just looked at the awesome summer executive producer thing. Nice. Way to go, Mike. Awesome design. I'm not, it reminds me of something, so you have to tell me what it is, but I'm Rob Vanoff. <laughs> that was uh-huh. Yeah, so I don't. So uh, Mike the, uh, told me that uh, he's going to start producing original artwork for our Messiah Matters producers. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe it, it reminds me a little bit of the '80s, like Tron, maybe a little, or I don't yeah. know, or like. Yeah, yeah, or late 70s, early 80s, video games. It makes me think of, like, video yes. games where you go and put a quarter in and play video games. Old like, school. Yeah. Arcade. There's, okay, so I, I, this is, I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> there is a place here in Tacoma, Washington called Dorkies, and it is an old school arcade. It's like quarter machines. They have Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, like all of them. It's always packed with kids. No, it's always packed with adults. Hang on just a second. Let's see what there we got is. here. Okay. It's back. There we go. Um, hang on. Let's see if we come back here. Um, and yeah, actually, so pizza and uh pizza and, and beer is served as well. So all right, let's see here. I think I'm reconnecting right now to my internet. Hang on. Let's see if we can get back into uh into our yeah, there we go. Okay, good. So yeah, uh it, it's the the dorkies in, in, in town is it, it is always packed. And actually, my kids love it just as much as the adults love it. 
But uh, so my, my son actually wanted his birthday there, I think two years ago. So we went down there. I gave the kids each like a $10 roll of quarters. Wow. We played, nice. for, played for hours. It was awesome. That's so cool. You know, and then, then they upcharged the, the, the microwave pizza that they got, you know, it's like a microwave pizza and like, uh, you know, I don't drink, but if you like a beer is like, you know, eight bucks or something. So Ooh, it, it's not really, but, but you, you get, you see where they're making their money anyway. All right. Yes. I love the old video games. Okay. Um, this is going to be an interesting one today. I don't, every time I say, I think we're going to go short. We actually go over, so I'll say it today and see where we land. I think this will be a short show, and the reason why, and maybe not, the reason why is because uh, I actually had a uh, a home disaster happen yesterday. My washing machine blew up, and what? so yeah. And since we're in, since we're in, since the entire family is in jujitsu, they say you know, like, like the joke is, is that I thought I was going to be choking people instead. I'm just doing laundry all the time, and that's that's essentially true. Uh, you know, cause you, you can't, it's disgusting. You can't like wear a gi a second time. It's, it's just covered in sweat. Right. So you're constantly, and we, we go to jujitsu every day. So we have to wash like, you know, five gis. And those are thick a day. Those, oh, yeah. those towels. Yeah. It's like heavy duty towels. Yeah. Anyway. So our, our sophisticated, uh, washer blew up. And so I had to take the entire day off. So we didn't actually have uh, to go get a new washer. That is. Um, and the Lord gave us one at a very, very, very low price. Was there so water? I mean, was there water that blew up everywhere too? It didn't blow up. It just, I mean, it, like the in, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't go anymore. Let's oh, just put okay. it that way. So there wasn't like a water disaster in your house. No, but there was sounds. There was sounds that were it was a sound making disaster. it apparent. Yes, it, it was. Yes. Anyway, so uh, because of that, Rob and I didn't actually have time to look at uh, show topics for today. So what we're going to do is we're going to reach into. Is that going to deter us? No, <laughs> no. Uh, what we're going to do is we're <laughs> exactly when has it ever before? Exactly. What we're going to do today is we are going to reach into the show notes. Now, what here's what normally ha- let me let's show let's pull back the curtain for just a second. What normally happens is we'll have stuff come in. I'll put it in the show notes in my own personal show notes. And then uh, something the next week will come in. And if we didn't get to stuff, I'll usually put the stuff that like is like on my mind and the stuff that I think is in, like super interesting at the time, I'll put it at the top. So what happens is topics that people have written in about a long time ago, they keep getting pushed down. And so we have It's topics. like a tell in archaeological excavations. Like you have, exactly. we have to layers. excavate yes. layers. Exactly. <laughs> So today what we're going to do is we're going to just get to the, the portion of our show notes that we should have gotten to probably months and possibly years ago. Um, before we get to it, though, what we're going to do is we're going to say this. If you have something to say, chegatorresource.com, chegatorresource.com. People are utilizing our comment line lately. I appreciate that, 253-465-3205. I'm going to give it to you again, 253-465-3205. Let me just tell you this. If you call in, to the comment line. Now we have a phone number that you can call and talk to us like in the office. If you, I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but if you want to do that, you can do that. If you call the comment line, there is a, there is a phone recording that says this, uh, like whatever you say may or may not be used on air. It's like a disclaimer, like you're recording your voice. We now can use that. If the very first thing you say is, please don't use this on air, I don't listen to it. I delete it. I don't even, I don't even listen to it. So if, if you have something you don't want put on air, call, like call our offices. Don't, don't call the comment line. The comment line is for on air. Or email, or email it in. Or email it in. Email it in is just as good. Okay. Let's see here. Oh, we got a super chat already for having no idea, but letting it never stop you. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, for that, let's do something different today. Let's do something like, hmm, let's do something like this. This is for your super chat. You can Google it. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. You're a legend in your own mind. We don't need no education. 
your mom goes to college. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Loud and the law. You've been blessed. for you today thank and you we had the dr job. kaiser in there twice we had a, a nice bookend yep exactly that is exactly deep mischief right. deep I, mischief I, I, that, that is like a, i planned it that way i planned yeah. it that way okay um so i gave the call oh yeah but uh perhaps the most important thing of all don't forget to subscribe you know where to go messiahmatters.com torresource.com yeah we got to uh, get to 10k we we're almost there Dude, our numbers keep going up every single week. I'm like, wow, nice. there's more people out there. What's happening? Okay. Um, the question is, should we listen to, hmm, should we listen to our, no, we'll save that. We're going to start with Lois. Lois wrote this in a, a long time ago. I don't even know. This was when we were talking about baptism. So we got two of them, I don't know, five or six shows ago. We talked about baptism versus mikvahs and how uh, from a historical standpoint, you can't actually, there's no link of the two specifically uh, saying that like it came from Judaism first, right? Like Christianity is the first place that we see baptism. We see like mikvahs into like right. ritual mikvahs and stuff like that. But, but Christianity is actually the, the, the first place that we see it. And when I say Christianity, I'm going to get, I can hear the emails being typed already. Yes, I know that the word Christianity didn't come about until a little bit later and uh, so on and so forth. What I mean is followers of Christ and uh, namely John the Baptist is the one who first uh, is seen doing a baptism. Okay. Anyway, so Lois writes in our good friend, Lois, she writes in, she says, we went to a primitive Baptist church in the 80s that did communion, and I'm putting that in quotes because she put it in quotes, did the, uh, the, in the 80s that did communion once a year. And I was excluded, not knowing the denomination of the Aztec Indian that, uh, that dunked me in Mexico. So, so translation there, the, the primitive Baptist would not or would not let her partake in communion because she was baptized by Aztec Indians and the primitive Baptist church did not know who they were, so they wouldn't let her take. I, isn't that a little bit Catholic of them? I mean, don't you think that's just a little bit Catholic? Like, oh, you're not, you didn't get, <laughs> we don't know the people you're talking about, so you, you have to sit over there. Here, let me show you the outliers, uh, the chairs that you can sit in. We save the good chairs for the people who have been baptized into our church. It just seems it seems very Catholic to me. Nonetheless, let's keep going. So my husband, my hubby, declined also. I would say it's Pharisaic. It's yeah, you yeah. didn't wash your hands, except yes, we have, we have a seat for the people who didn't wash their hands right, rather right. than kick them out altogether. Lois, I wonder if it all would have, now this is, this, that's probably an unfair dig. I, I was going to say, I wonder if it would have all changed if you started dropping $10,000 checks into the offering box. That's probably not fair. Actually, these people, the primitive Baptists sound like they're pretty, they're like, they're not going to waver, right? They're not, they're not uh, going to be swayed by, by money. Anyway. All right. So my, this is what Lois says. She says, so my hubby declined also. He had no good, uh, he had, I'm sorry, he had the good luck to be baptized in a Baptist church, quote Baptist church, saying, if my wife isn't allowed, neither am I since we are one. That pastor interpreted as often as you do it. Now, this is really where it gets interesting. So that pastor interpreted as often as you do it based on the Levitical priest in Hebrews who goes often that is once a year into the Holy of Holies. Now, this uh, might not have a lot but of did discussion. They do, did she say they did it during the Passover season? She didn't say. But I, so, and uh, the Levitical priest going in uh, in Hebrews is, is a reference to Yom Kippur. So I wonder if they did right, it during right, Yom right. Kippur. Nonetheless, there, there's not a there's not a question or a whole lot of discussion that could come from this, but this does set up some of our other uh, some of the other things that we'll talk about. So I find this interesting, though. I, I I think that there's things that we could talk about. Certainly, I think it's wrong of a congregation to say, "Well, you know, your baptism wasn't necessarily right because we didn't do it." If a person professes faith, right? Yeah. That's what matters. So. Anyway, um, but this last part, that's something I'll have to look at deeper 
about the Levitical priesthood going in once a year, right? He goes into the Holy of Holies once a year. <clears throat> but she says that in Hebrews, it's as often that he goes in often. So uh, there, there could oh, it's, be an It's not the same Greek term, though. It's not? Okay. No, no. There you go. I, I think that I it. think the Hebrews idea is that it's just repeat it's year after year. It means he's repeatedly and it and if sin really was taken care of, then it would only have to happen once. But the fact that the same priest will have to come back again the next year means there's a memorial of sin, not a complete removal of sin. And uh, anyway, but Interesting link there, nonetheless. Okay. But if you're looking so, at King James and, and like doing your exegesis, comparing English translation with English translation, maybe that's, you know, a way that they derived that. So this is going to kick us into our next comment as well. Follower of the Way, and this is on the same video. Follower of the Way says, The Mishnah Torah, Sefer Kedushah 13, 4, and 6 states baptism is a strict requirement for conversion. This would have naturally continued in the Messianic movement that the apostles would have continued to have practiced, as stated in the many baptisms recorded in the book of Acts. Now, we uh, named oh, this show, okay. Okay. hang on, we, we named this show How to Study, and this is, this is going to get us into our main topic here. <clears throat> the reason why is this. We've tried very hard, I think, on this show to show people uh, a progression, if you will, or a way that we have to, the progression is wrong, a timeline, a timeline of, of how you have to look at things and then how that can inform other things. Now he says Mishnah Torah. Mishnah Torah was written in the, in the uh, 11, 1200s, something like that. So yeah, it's, it's Maimonides. It's yeah, Maimonides. And, it, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's middle ages, it's late, right? And so what this person is suggesting is that the Mishnah Torah somehow was around 1,200 years earlier and was informing Christ and the apostles. Now, here's the argument that I've heard before, and let's we'll, we'll play with this for a few seconds. The argument that I've heard before is, okay, yeah, it was written later, but there's a tradition that goes back. The tradition goes all the way back before Christ, and I think that everyone who watches this show on the regular is, gonna, is going to know the, next, the coming question that Rob and I would say. Prove it. Show me the receipts on that. You can't just say, hey, there was a tradition. That's, but then that's the jujitsu move. I don't know. Well, wait, we, we, can't, we can't legitimate it calling it a jujitsu move. Oh, I love this. Well, let's, because, let's try. Because the idea is, well, Caleb, it's oral. There's no written. It's oral, and it was only written down later. So I, I can't show you the proof, but it's a it's. So then we move into the faith. It's a faith claim, but even Maimonides or Rambam, the Rambam as they call him, he just codified the Talmudic corpus to try to create a concise reference work that just boiled down all the halakhic code of the of the talmudic rabbis you know it it and so this what you read in the the mission and it's mishneh mishneh torah means the second torah it uh does you know he does introduce it as there is a oral torah that goes all the way back to moses but not in not in this particular okay wait stop 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 right there for just one second and and that would be the second question that i would ask if it goes back before Christ, how far back are you saying it goes? Where does the tradition start? And the reason why is, are these people who would suggest that there's a tradition that goes all the way back, that goes back before Christ, are they suggesting it goes all the way back to Moses? Because if not, if it started somewhere besides Moses, then, the, then all of a sudden we have a, a chronology question. At what point did it start? And why couldn't it have started in the 6th or 7th century with the Talmud? Keep going with your thought. Yeah, well, it's just that it's it's a late source, and this is another problem of taking a late source and changing chronology to suit an agenda. And that's that's where the confusion comes in is timeline, and timeline matters, right? 
I mean, that's why, you know, in the Tanakh, right? Genesis in the beginning, right? We have Noah, right? Then Abraham, then Jacob and the 12 tribes, right? Then Moses, right? There's a, there's a chronology. Why? Because, because we're, we're, God wants us to think along how things develop over time. That's why the book of Chronicles, right? The book of Samuel, all these are chronological um, accounts. Why? Because that is a biblical way to organize events and, and how we understand development of, of a person, right? So we have to understand uh, history generally with the use of timeline as well. And the, 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 the big one is the oral. Oh, it's oral tradition. I can't, I can't show you in writing. And then you ultimately have the, the doctrine of the two Torahs, which is in the Babylonian Talmud, which is two Torahs were given to Moses at Mount Sinai. One in writing, that's the one we have in the Torah scroll. And the other is completely independent. It's, a, it's not a connected at all. It's a completely independent revelation still called Torah, that was handed down faithfully from Moses to Joshua, generation by generation, all the way to the Orthodox rabbis today. And to, to understand the written, you have to go through the oral. You have, to, you have to submit to the rabbis. Why? Because they are the arbiters of what the scripture means. Right. So the, you might say, oh, well, the Peshat is just you read it and it's whatever the simple meaning. No, the, the Peshat is what the rabbis tell you it, it is. Right. It's not what you derive. You don't derive it from your, for yourself. Here, here's, here's, here's the other issue is that you have, we know, and this is from Jewish scholars. This isn't just from me and Rob. Jewish scholars, even Neusner says that, that there are plenty of places that can be shown that the rabbis are attributing things to oral tradition that clearly are not legitimate. They're, they're inserted later. In other words, think of it this way. If, if I really wanted somebody to follow something and everybody just kept saying, well, this, or this is all oral, I can't prove it goes back to Moses, but it's, it's oral tradition. If I make something up and say, this is oral tradition, people have to listen to me. And we know, we know that this happened. And so th therefore, the question that, that could be asked to someone like me is, well, is there any tradition that goes back to Christ? And the answer is, I'm sure there probably is. I'm sure there's a tradition, a couple traditions, maybe many traditions that go all the way back to the first century. Maybe Judaism, maybe the Pharisees were following some of these traditions and they said they were the traditions of the fathers, right? And they're, they're following that way. But since we have so much of an influx, and we can't prove one way or another if it's everybody, a lot, a little, whatever. Since there is provable, though, there are provable times where people say, well, this is this this is oral tradition, but it's clearly not oral tradition. They're clearly making it up in the time. Since we have so much of that, you have to go by the chronology of when it's written down. You can't, you can't hypothesize, well, I think this one, yeah, this one sounds good. I think it probably went back to Christ. Or this one sounds good. It probably goes back 500 years before Christ. So it's a real established tradition. Well, okay, maybe this one was later. No, 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 you can't do that. It's all or nothing. And so what we have to do is we have to say, okay, well, this all this rabbinic literature was written later. And we have to place it there and say that what we have is written sources that say things. That has to come first. Right. Right. And, that's, and we have that, different, we, we have to have an account that, addresses the the fragmentation into sects right like you like the the sect that used the book of jubilees for example is if if you're a male and you were not circumcised on the eighth day you're not in it, it doesn't matter if your mom's jewish or your dad's jewish if you weren't circumcised on the eighth day you're cut off from the covenant not only that gentiles there is not an option for Gentiles to become part of Israel because Gentiles are likened unto animals. This is in the Enochic literature too, a different kind of animal, right? If you're it, it, like the dogs, right? Or, or uh, a donkey or a wolf or a pig, 
right? The idea is like, you know, you, you, you're a pig and, and Israel are, are sheep. And you can't change, you can't magically wave a wand and, and have a pig become a sheep unless you're Shapira, who's like all about the kosher pig idea, whatever what that is. But that's, so, that's heretical craziness. That, there is no pure, the, the idea is there is no purification option for an unclean animal. And if they're using the animal kingdom as a map of the world, and this is part of what's behind Acts 10, is this confrontation with this kind of map of the world where, you know, Jews are like sheep and the other nations are like unclean animals. And that's not, that's not, that's not God's map, you know? And so, um, yeah, it, it, here's another issue too. Now we don't have a lot of surviving info about, for example, the Samaritans or even or in in Judea the Sadducees in terms of how they would have. Let's say there was a Gentile who wanted to join under Sadducean leadership. Let's say let's just hypothetically say that the Sadducees would have a path to be, for a Gentile to convert, and then you have the Pharisees had a path to convert or do you think that they have the same path right pathway to to citizenship so to speak it's the, a, sa- no. it's the same as lois right oh well you you weren't baptized it, it, exactly. according to our sex so you can't you can't sit at our table we know uh, it, it, we know it was a mess we know right. it was a mess for a gentile coming to right. the land of israel because jo- josephus himself talks about when he was a late teens he went and like studied with all these different groups trying to figure out like well which one of which one of our people has like the actual best way. And he ends up, he ends up living under the customs of the Pharisees. Now he never says I became a Pharisee, but he just adopts their, their customs. But the point is if Josephus, who was of a priestly stock is like, man, this is pretty crazy. You know, we've got all these denominations and we have to also remember that is the Jews were not in charge. Right. right. The last time, the last Important time there point. was there was a mass circumcision, it was forced circumcision under the Maccabean leaders who were expanding their territory, and they would, you know, mass circumcise all the males. Say you're now Judeans and pay up. You owe tax now. Yeah. You're you are Jewish now, and it had nothing to do with new creation heart. It had nothing to do with regeneration by the Holy Spirit. It had nothing to do with uh saying I that this story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my story, like this is my people, like being grafted, had nothing to do with that. It was political power and coercion behind that circumcision. And so the, if we just take Maimonides, Maimonides didn't know any of this stuff. Right. He's trying to he's trying to codify the official Jewish law for all right. Jews everywhere. Why? Because in his day, why did he write the code Mishnah Torah? Because of confusion, he's like, "Oh, all these people, we, we all need, need to be on, on the same place. page." Yeah, exactly. We all need. To, that's why he came up with the thirteen principles of faith, right? He's like, "Okay, everybody." He's trying to create a creed. He's trying to create a creed and then a code. And today, you have splits. You have people that are in the Orthodox rabbinic world. You have the pro Maimonideans, right? They're like these. Aristotelian rationalists. There's no, you know, the and and the hardcore of those hate the Kabbalists. They right. think the Zohar and the Kabbalists are heretical, totally. Yep. And then you have the the hardcore Kabbalists that that don't really pay attention to Rambam. Then you have like the Chabad, and the Chabad tries to be. They try to like be so smart with their mysticism, like, oh, you know, the Rambam says this or the Mishnah Torah, right? Because they, they're trying to like be all embracing of all the Jews everywhere. And it's it, it's just frustrating. So okay, to see so, someone cherry pick some right. quote they found. First of all, it's not, what did he call it? Kedushah. It's 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 order of Kedushah, but it's it's he doesn't have it cited correctly. Because it's, it's okay. Okay, uh, hang on just a sec. So we it have doesn't we, matter. We have a uh, comment in the in the chat room. If someone thinks the ancient rabbis are authoritative, how would you respond? And my response is, then Jesus is not the Christ. And the reason I say that is because the the ancient rabbi you, you can't cherry pick. Either you take the rabbis or you don't. Either you take the Mishnah or you don't. Or you take as authoritative, right? Well, I would or say you, name one. 
Can you yeah. name an ancient authoritative rabbi? No, I, I don't know any. I, it's just a general. They're the good guys. You know, what about the ancient good guys? Did they know what they were doing? Or, yeah, I, I would say it's it is a it's a straw man, I guess. Yeah. Or, or except they think it's a stone man. They think it's a strong man. They they think the claim, and I've talked to people who are who believe that the rabbis are an authority. Yeah, and then it's like, oh well, yeah. Do do you remember when we? <laughs> So many people don't remember this because they weren't there and it wasn't actually like all of this wasn't caught on tape, but we were invited to a conference a while back, Rob and I were, and my father, and we went and we spoke at this conference and I spoke on Hasidic Judaism and why, why like mysticism was wrong. <laughs> and there, and I mean, well, there was the a place, dude there, there, there was, was a, a messianic so Jewish upset. dude who had, yeah. he had payas. He looked like a, a chassid, like right from like I'm like Jerusalem. I'm like up there. Like, I'm up there. I'm like if you're dressed in black and white and you got payout, you're just like you're pretending. And everybody's here's just the like, thing oh. though, dude. That guy who was at some rabbi such and such, he's not. He's like a Lutheran <laughs> pastor now, and he dresses up. He's like, it's like what happened, man? Like were you legit? Like this, Some, what, we've seen this too. We see it's like, where are they? The question is like, where are they where now? Where are they now? Right. Yep. And exactly. it's like, if you're a where are they now person, like that's what the, the the Hebrew roots and the Messianic Jewish world needs to come to terms with the where are they now? Right. And yep. it's almost like they need a yearbook of the, like the where are they now? The class of where are they now? And like, where were they then? What were they teaching, passionate about, zealous for? What you know, were they publishing. ticked off at Rob and Caleb about? Yeah, that's well, that's one of them, right? And then it's like and they're then, always so ticked off then, at us. That was then, and then this is now. Where are they now? Yeah, and, exactly. And I think we could fill that with story after story, and and that it's almost like a needed like someone needs to write that book. And like I got say, five people off the top of my head. There's boom, a boom, lesson boom, here. Boom. Like, yeah. and then we need to ask, what's the deal? Now, to be fair, someone could say. Well, it's not just the Hebrew roots. I mean, that's sure. a humanity problem. You've got people in the evangelical church. There's someone locally, sadly, that I think was a pastor for 30 or 40 years. And all of a sudden, boom, left, you know, left his wife living with some lady and just like no response, no answer to the no, no sense of accountability to what he what he did in the past. It, and, and so there, you know. Do people have a brain tumor and it, and, and that, you know, and they just, their personality shifts and it, no, I, was, I it, was thinking, I was thinking this uh, the other day, I was thinking of this the other day. It's, I was born this way. You know, one of the, one of the mantras of the, of the LGBTQIA. And I've been fighting whatever, against it the whole time kind of thing. Yeah. Well, or? is, is, I, you know, you can't get down on me because I was born this way. Right. And the response to that is we're all born this way. It might not be that I'm attracted to people of the same sex, but I'm born with a sin problem. We're all born with a sin problem. Exactly. And if you think that we're just supposed to live according to that sin problem, no. Part of becoming a follower of, of Christ and, and loving God is realizing that we have the sin problem and pushing and putting it away. Oh, we Caleb, don't... this is so important, too, with the, co the idea of we're going to codify the oral tradition is tucked in we can't extract that from the fact that they believe it is authoritative and right. if it's authoritative that means it is a def it defines what sin and repentance is it defines what sin is and then right. it if you if you transgress that repentance then is to acknowledge the authority of rabbinic tradition and then commit to walking according to it and and you have the conflation of the revealed word of god the written word of god and some accumulation of man-made tradition that are seen to where you, the, there's no line between them. It's one solid corpus that then defines sin. And Yeshua takes a sword and, and cuts right through that. And he says, that's, that's leaven. He says what that is like, the doctrines, whether it's Pharisaic, Sadducean, it's they're all their puffed up teachings that they attach to the word of God is 
and and those have to be separated because what happens is a person starts to think like Yeshua says, well, it's like the two guys that go up to the temple to pray, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee goes up, oh God, thank you that I'm not like this guy. And that I, you know, I do this and this, I fast twice a week and, you know, da, 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 da. He's just telling God how great he is because he's done all these traditions. He doesn't know that he's a sinner. He doesn't even know the, the fear of the glory of God. It hasn't permeated his heart. He's not afraid, meaning healthily afraid. Whereas the other, whereas the publican, it says he wouldn't even look up. He just bit his breast and said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Yeshua says, that's the guy who leaves justified because he actually has fear of God and he's accurately, his, his repentance matches the truth. It's, it's, a, it's a reflection of truth in his heart right. taking root, not a guy who's performing and wants to be seen a certain way by other people and wants to accumulate status and power and uh, fame for how, you know, how, you know, observant they are of all these intricate things. And I think that Maimonides was a very, obviously a very smart man, but I think there's the pride to, to, to write a huge tome or multi-volume tome of codifying Jewish law and then to say this is authoritative and then put your name on it, right? Even in the Talmud, there's no author, right? Even in the Midrashim, there's no author. It's, it's, it's what we, it's a, uh, an anth- anthological, it's an anthology. It's like a collection of all these different voices and they kind of shape them and put them together. But when you get to Rambam, it's like, boom, the second Torah by Maimonides, right? Ah. It's like, dude, ah. like how, yeah. like. <laughs> there should be some red flags for everyone right there. Hang on, I want to I get to this. Okay. I want to get to this question. I think it's uh, Alicia Cruz in the chat room. She says, is theology more important than loving your neighbor? And the answer to that is no. Theology is not more important than loving your neighbor, but loving God is Theology simply means the study of God. And so what I would say is that, no, theology is not more important. We see this constantly throughout cross-denominations. What I mean by that is I consider many Baptists to be saved. I consider many Lutherans to be saved. I consider many, um, you know, there are Catholics that I believe uh, have a lot wrong but have a true heart for God, okay? So the point here is, is simply that theology doesn't matter. Our doctrines don't necessarily matter. But there are core doctrines that we have to hold to, to to be in the same faith. And so when we love God and we love the we love his his covenant with us, right? We are in covenant relationship with him. God first, then fellow man. So so uh, is theology before loving your neighbor? Absolutely not. But loving God, understanding the covenant, and living according to that covenant is that Here's, that is I, okay, yeah. Please, okay. Yeah. This I'm gonna excursus here for a second. Hang on, just say I'm I'm gonna just real quick so people know okay. I'm gonna change my I'm gonna change my um I'm gonna change my internet because it looks like I'm having some major problems. Oh, so okay. it, you might it might lag for a few seconds, but it should be back. Go ahead. You still with me, Rob? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're there. Okay, yep. just a footnote on this is it, it might seem like it's not connected, but I think it is. Someone asked me recently about the Arabic name for God, Allah. And they're like, well, it's the God of Abraham, right? And if you look in the Semitic languages, the Arabic word, it's just comes from the same word where we get Eloah or Elohim. And it's like, well, it's just the word for God, right? And as a matter of fact, if you look at English translations of the Quran, they'll just say God. Sometimes they'll transliterate A-L-L-A-H. But it's, Al is just the the, right? It's just the prep, it's the, the Arabic um, definite article. So it's just the God, right? Okay, so people are like, well, it's the same God. So then all of a sudden, if you use that, that would be like, 
okay, so therefore Muslims worship the same God as Christians and, and worship the same God as Jews. And then it's like, okay, wait a minute now. At, at one level, you're like, oh, they, oh, I see. That makes sense. They're all the three monotheistic faiths, right? Or the, the three Abrahamic religions. They all worship the God of Abraham. But then you, so, but theologically, that's no. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a new creation in Yeshua, that is, that can't get any traction in your soil. That is, those are weeds that have to go. They cannot take root in your garden. It is not the same God. Why? Because it doesn't, because the word itself is not what does the work. It's the right. narrative context. It's the stories. Because, because if you, if you enter in to the world of Islam under the guise that, oh, this is the same God. Well, guess what? He has no second. He has, yeah, he but, has but, no, there is no son. He has no son. But quickly, So now people, all of a sudden yeah, you have a he, theological issue. You have the same word. Right. Yeah. traceable within the Semitic languages, but now you're you're putting different color decorations around it with language. Same thing with the Book of Mormon. Or Mormon right, Christians. Yes. Yep. Is Jesus is the Jesus? Well, the Jesus of Mormons. Read Created. the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Is that the same Jesus of the Gospels? Well, the Mormons will say it is. For me, it's like hard no, buddy. Like there's just like, ah, like no, exactly. So, so it's not that it can't be the same God then. And so then, so talk about that. So no, no, I agree with you completely. Sorry, I, I got to correct myself. It's Elisha in the chat room. Not, yeah, sorry. My bad. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think that, I think that uh, as, as we're looking, so I'll give grace in the idea of a, a person being uh, in Islam, they come to Christ and they, They've only known, maybe they, their only language is Arabic. And so all they know is, I serve Allah, meaning God. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, as, but exactly what you're studying is the same with, in Mormonism. As they're studying, they start to realize the Allah that I have known in, in Islam <clears throat> and the Allah that I'm reading about, the God that I'm reading about here in the, this Bible are two completely different Right. Two we completely have to recognize things. that the Christianity spread in Arabic language right. before Muhammad was even born. So you had the gospels and stories being transmitted in Arabic language, even written right. in Arabic before the rise of Islam. Islam is it takes from that, takes from the Jewish tradition and tries to resolve conflicts that it sees between Judaism and Christianity and try to say, no, they both have it wrong. We have the truth anyway. So let's, I want to move on to this uh, voice message that we got. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't even remember this coming in. So that tell this could be a couple years old. I don't even know. It, 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 it's been a while, I think. So I apologize for not getting to it, but it, this plays into our, into our topic today of study and how to study. Let's listen to the, to the voice message. Okay, here's the question. The question is, what do you do with extra-biblical historical accounts? So, Hang on. So for those who, it's a little low, and I tried to bring the, the volume up, but the question here has to do with historical accounts in non-canonical literature. Okay? Interesting here, listening to a commentator, and he's using, let's say, three. So the book of Joshua, you have the Dead Sea Scrolls, and you have like a historical rabbi, let's say Rashi. Okay, so stop. What was the last one again? I a historical hear. rabbi like Rashi. So let's stop real quick. So we have three. This is this is really good because we have three different people or three different uh, witnesses. Let's call them witnesses for now. You have the book of Jasher, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Rashi three completely separate times, right, in history. The book of Jasher is what? Uh, date the book of Jasher for me. Well, you have, okay, this is good. We need to talk about this one. The book of Jasher that people read today. Right, that's what I mean. Middle, it was written in the Middle Ages. Middle Ages, right. Yeah, it's not the book of book of Jasher that is mentioned in the Bible. That's not at all. No, it's a completely different thing. It's a, it is part of a time in history where Jews were writing books in Hebrew that they did it for Josephus too. There's a book called Yosepon 
and it's just telling stories. And so, yeah, the book of Jasher, if someone's teaching from the book of Jasher, it's like they, it's no different than teaching from the book of Mormon. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, my boy it's like, smart. it's like, oh, I'm going to quote the Book of Mormon. Like if you went to a Messianic synagogue and they started quoting the Book of Mormon, like you'd be like, wait a minute. Whoa, but they whoa, quote the whoa. Book of Jasher. You're like, hey, you know, <laughs> kids gather around. This he must be so wise because he's actually read the Book of Jasher. No, so, so this is really important, though. So Jasher, the Book of Jasher that you read in the day, Rashi, both super late. You're talking Rashi's about like, yeah, 11th, 12th century. Yeah. You're talking France. middle ages for both of those. And so these have no connection. In fact, it, you know, this would be like me writing commentary on something in 800. If I was, if I was giving you a historical quote, quote marks here for those listening on, on a podcast, historical account of something that occurred in the 800s. Are people going to be like Caleb's commentary on the Quran? Yeah, exactly. Like the life in English translation. So you can read an English translation and then give an English people. People are going to be like, are they going to be like, Ooh, this is, this gives us new insight into Muhammad's. No, of course not. What, what, what they're going to do is going to say, this guy's 1200 years later. He wasn't there. What are you talking about? But in a thousand years, they're going to go, Hmm, (laughs) Caleb, the Hague. Yeah. It's going to be Hague. What did Hague on? So, no, but but now, so this is completely different than the Dead Sea Scrolls. The other thing that I think a lot of people miss, I I was watching some stuff people have sent in for Mystery Bible Theater three thousand, by the way, today that that uh, on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And what people miss is that there is canonical books found at the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's non-canonical books found at the Dead Sea Scrolls. So just because it's Dead Sea Scrolls, like there's a lot of people on like TikTok and YouTube who don't realize that there are books that are non-canonical found. The de- in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so what they do is they say, did you know that the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls talk about giants? It's like, and this is supposed to blow everybody's mind as if the original Bible had, you know, like extra stuff that isn't in our Bible today. It's, it's really quite shocking. Anyway, so um, all of this to say what you, the very first thing that you would have to do with these, with these uh, different quote unquote, and we'll use quote marks here and say witnesses is you'd have to ask, and this came up when we were, uh, when we were uh, debating Jim Barfield at the Copper Scroll Project, he was trying to use Google Translate. You remember that? And then his three witnesses, one was from the 1700s, one was from the 1500s and one was, it was, it was so, it, it was I honestly, for a few, for a few days, I thought we were having a joke played on us. It was that bad. It was that bad. Um, so, so the very first thing you have to do is you have to figure out where something is historically. That's the, I, I think that everybody has to do that no matter what, so that we know wh- where our witness, where our quote unquote witnesses are coming from. Is somebody, is somebody putting research together and talking history or are they presenting a story as if it was there in the beginning? Right. Like well, they were there's there. another aspect to this. How many, how many English Bibles are there? Like, I think there's 50. I think there's at least 50. Like oh, if you go to the Bible yeah, okay. Gateway, you pick a verse and click all English versions. Sure. And you know there's English versions that aren't on the website too. So you need to add, I don't know, right. 10 or however many. Okay. So, okay. But I'm going to quote Rashi, but I don't know Hebrew. Right. I have to go somewhere like Chabad or wherever, or someone who's going to mediate Rashi for me. And I'm going to say, oh, that must be what Rashi said. But when it comes to the Bible, it's like, uh, I don't like, you know, I'm real picky about what English translation I use. Same thing with the Talmud. You're getting a filtered, biased uh, interpretation. One of the worst ones is the is Neusner's, it's under Neusner's name, but it's his students did it, was the Talmud of the Land of Israel in English. It's from the Jerusalem Talmud. It is, it, it's awful. And there's places where they're paraphrasing and and you read. And so the issue is with the Dead Sea Scrolls also. Get this, but newsflash, not all Dead Sea Scroll scholars agree with each other. Right. So right. who are you, so so now we're to the same thing. I let's say, oh, I want to I want to study the Dead Sea Scrolls. Where are you gonna start? 
Are you going to learn Hebrew? No, I, I, I want to study the Desi Scrolls, but I don't want to study Hebrew. Okay. So you tie one hand behind your back, right? Right. I want to study Desi Scrolls and, you know, and I, my budget is a hundred dollars. Okay. So now tie one of your legs back up behind you. Now you're, you got one arm and you're hopping on one leg and, and you know, but can we, re- can we, can't wait, hang on. Can we really say I'm that? Not that's try- stu- I'm just saying this no, is the I know, reality. I, 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 get, of- I get what you're saying. Can we really say that that's even studying though? Like really studying, you know, basically we can be, it's, it's like the people who are like, Oh, I'm a hobbyist at this, you know, like you'll have people who make Model race cars. Kind of thing, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll have people who, who, who like legitimately make race cars and they're in the formula one or whatever. Right. And then you have my neighbor who has nine cars in his backyard. <laughs> they're all broken down. None of them run. Half of them have engines on the, on the, you know, on the lawn <laughs> and he might have one running every once in a while. Right. But he, he's, he's not a formula. He's not, He's not playing with a with a full garage here. Is he an enthusiast? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, so so okay. So is that a class in like Hebrew roots? Like I'm a Dead Sea Scrolls enthusiast. Well, it's like what that means is like. I think that look, yeah, you, you, I don't think you can be a, a Dead Sea uh, a Dead Sea Scroll like you can take the Dead Sea Scrolls seriously and be a, a real student of the Dead Sea Scrolls unless you go to university. You have to you have to go to university and get full on training. You can't do I'm it on Google. You, man, you know, the last time I went to uh, Qumran and you go through the they they shuffle you like cattle into this video before you go in and you have to watch this movie and they <laughs> they have this reenactment and they have like John the Baptist is like. <laughs> he like makes a vow to join the Qumran community and then he breaks his vow. Okay. So then you have like, let's just say you're, you know, evangelical, you're, oh. you're a Christian Zionist, you know, you love Israel. You like, you, you like to donate to causes in Israel just because, you know, you're an enthusiast of like Israel because of prophecy and all this. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. So you come back, you come back to your church. You're like, I went on this two week tour of Israel and went to Qumran and, I can, I was there. John the Baptist was there. And like that kind of stuff sneaks in and it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think we've, I've mentioned this before. Cause you know, some people like to watch the chosen. I've never watched it. I, I don't think, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think people should, if you're going to watch the chosen spend 10, 10 times as much time in the word of God. So like, if, if a chosen episode is like a half an hour, spend five hours in the word of studying the Bible and then take a break and watch a half hour episode of the chosen, you know, of the same. And it has to be like of the same material because what happens is this is I I'm suspicious that it replaces people's devotional time in the word of God. And I I've talked to people who love the chosen. And my question is, What's the ratio of your consumption here, right? There's no, it's not a sin to watch a TV show, right? Like that, but don't let it, if you're, if you're, if you're getting your theology and you're getting your conception of what it means to be a new creation and Messiah from that, then I would say maybe want to take some time and reflect on the priorities there. That's all I'm getting at. A, a, a rabbit went down a trail. That's totally great. But I want to reel this back. It's not a study. Hey, it's not study. I understand. Hang on. I want to reel this back though. And I want to reel it back because we haven't even gotten to uh, to this, this full uh, voicemail. I want to reel this back and just say this. I have no problem with people being Dead Sea Scroll enthusiasts. That's great. I have no problem with people being, you know, enthusiasts of, of multiple different uh, archaeological things or being enthusiasts of, of certain biblical topics or whatever. That's totally fine. And if that's what you like doing, great. That's great. But to really, really dig in and study something takes a lot of work. And that that's where I was going. Okay, let's get back to this. Uh, let's listen to the rest of this voicemail. And uh, yeah, here. So I'm going to roll this back about three seconds. Here we go. Like a historical rabbit, let's say Rashi. And let's say they all coordinate with some account, a historical account. Or let's even say a historical artifact account, like something that's found at the temple um, by maybe in, in Israel. Some, uh, and um, we have this historical 
item or we have an historical document, um, an ancient document, um, let's say a Dead Sea Scroll, something with considerable validity, and it then is sitting there and giving you some sort of context to the scripture. How do you, how do you, what are your thoughts on that and your inclusion in that and the weight of it? Okay, so we'll stop there. So here's here's the thing. Let's let's take all of what he says. So we have let's say we have an archaeological artifact. Okay, the Dead Sea Scroll. Something in the Dead Sea Scrolls mention. Let's make something up just for just for um, the sake of of answering this question. Let's say that uh, at at Qumran. There is a cup found, and it is believed by the archaeologists that maybe this was the cup that everyone drank at at the community meal. Let's just pretend that this is found. Now, this wasn't found. I'm making this up. So this is found at, dead, at the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's, it's a artifact that's found. And in the Dead Sea Scrolls, in the community rule, there's something, once again making this up, that says that they all drink from the same cup uh, you know, around their table. Okay. And then in uh, Jasher and in Rashi, they talk about a Kadush cup and they expound on the blessing of a Kadush cup and all these things and how everyone should drink from this Kadush cup. What would we say then? And my answer is this. Well, the archaeological find would be impressive. We'd have to look at all the archaeological data. That would be the, that would be number one. Number two, we'd have to look at the text of the Dead Sea Scroll and see if it was actually connected in any way to this said cup and see what the weight of, of the research was there and why scholars would agree with or without it. That would be that would be the first few steps. What we wouldn't be able to do is connect Jasher and and Rashi here. And the reason why is because they're so far disconnected. And the progression of theology of a Kadush cup up until that point may have actually taken... Now, a Kadush cup's quite late, but not the point. Let's say that the, the we have a progression of this thing up until the 12th century. At any point... Rashi and Jasher could be commenting on anything up until that point. So they ca we can't connect it back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. We can't connect it back to whatever may have been found archaeologically. Now, if we have more than one witness, and this is where this is where things will really start to take off. If you have a witness of something archaeological, you have something of, say, Josephus talking about something that very much looks like what you found, you know, what they've found, and you have maybe Philo, or you have the Apostolic Scriptures, all of the or the Dead Sea Scrolls, all of these are now in the first century realm. They're all talking about one thing, and now you're holding something, or they, they've found something that looks almost exactly what like what's being described. Now we have something that we can really start to to write about, and you know we can write home about these things. Rob, yeah, I, well, I, there's a lot of examples. Um, one example is so I think it was the Lubavitchers. They created a giant gold menorah, right in anticipation of the temple. And it's then still there. after they, what's that? It's still there. Yeah. And then after they, after they made it, they started seeing all these, all these archeological discoveries of Jewish sources of what the menorah looked like. And they all have three legs. So they had to go back and add. So it had three point uh, base based off this kind of archaeological find. Cause like, Oh, I get, you know, we, and so that, that's a thing where you have this kind of, um, a kind of this bold. Yeah, here it is. This is authoritative. And it's like, Oh, we discovered something and now we're going to modify what we did. But there's other examples too, where you have, um, here, here's a, here's an example that's not part of, of the Christian world, but the rabbinic world. So in, the Mishnah, so not the Mishnah of Mishneh Torah that we were talking about Rambam, but the, the Mishnah from third century, right? Post-temple destruction. It There's a dispute. I think it's in Yadayim is the track, uh, it's a, a dispute between Pharisees and, and Sadducees that's recorded. And it says the, the Pharisees are upset at the Sadducees because you guys, you know, this, this, and this, we say this, but you guys say this. And one of the things, and there's a, a collection of these disputes. And one of them is you, you Sadducees, woe to you, oh Sadducees, because you uh, say that a liquid stream is 
um, uh, convey conveys contaminate contamination. Whereas the Pharisees say it does not. And what that means is like, if you have a, if you have a vessel that has water in it, right. In the Torah, let's say a lizard crawls in there and dies. You get up in the morning and you're going to wash your face and you see that you got this big bowl of water and there's like a lizard belly up. You have to throw that out. Right. And if it's, if it's a clay pot, you got to just, you get rid of the whole thing. Right. Right. Okay. So let's say that's the situation. You have a you have a dead lizard floating in a in a thing of water. You're like crap, but I can't, sir. Oops, <laughs> can't use the water. So the Sadducees would say this. So if you had a pitcher of wa- of fresh water next to it that was not contaminated, but you just poured even a little bit into the to the one with the lizard, that all of a sudden that becomes one body of water, and now you've you've contaminated. contaminated it's gone upstream one, yeah. and contaminated yeah. the upper vessel. Okay, that. And the Pharisees say, no, it, it, that a stream, mutzakot, uh, it says in Hebrew, do not convey impurity. But the Sadducees say, okay, so scholars just wondered about this for years. They didn't know what this was. Well, what, what, why is it the deal? Then when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found in the Halakhic letter, the position of the Qumran community matches that that was in the Sadducean view. They believed that streams of water convey impurity. So if you have a pitcher, the uncleanness actually, once that water touches and you have a continuous stream, it's one it considered one body of water and the impurity now goes upstream. And now you have two vessels you have to destroy. This Okay, so that's an example where historians... You don't even need a faith commit. There's no faith commitment. It's just, this is the work of a historian. Okay, now we have more data about this. Another is just the the amazing number of ritual mikvahs, right, that have been continually excavated in in Jerusalem, you know, in little cities like up um, at... uh, Magdala up on, on the on the Sea of Galilee. They've all these, they're excavating these little villages that had ritual baths all over. Right. And so, but they didn't know this 50 years ago. Right. So it's like, wow, like ritual purity was a really big deal. We know it was from the gospels. We know it was from the later rabbinic sources, but now we're like seeing it built into the archaeology of, or built into the architecture of these cities they actually plan to have these ritual baths everywhere so there there are things like that you know that we're discovering all the time um but does that affect our faith um so i i, I don't know you know i it, it shouldn't affect. It shouldn't affect our faith necessarily, but what it should affect is the way that we study, and 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 this is the ultimate point of of this topic and the show today is that I think even it doesn't matter if you are a hardcore, you know, you're becoming a scholar, you're going to seminary, whatever, or you're an enthusiast or whatever, or you're just a believer who sits down and reads their Bible on a regular basis, which all of those are, are good things. But the point here is, if, if we are studying, we have to be able to look at chronology of when things, of when our witnesses and our evidence comes into being. And that is just like an investigator. You can't take a knife that was used, you know, 50 years ago, or, you know, or you can't take a knife that was made 50 years ago and attribute it to a murder that happened 100 years ago. And that's exactly what people are trying to do in these kind of instances. Right. Okay. We're going to call it there. We went a full hour, believe it or not. Sorry for the uh, connection problems. Not sure what happened there. I do apologize. Hey, shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com, chegatorresource.com. You can also uh, give us a call, 253-465-3205. You won't talk to us. You'll talk to an answer machine if you leave a message. Expect that it will be played on air, even though it may not. But uh, don't start with, don't play this on air. All right, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. <laughs>